0: You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Awesome. Awesome. If I I haven't met you, I didn't do any introduction. I'm Josh. I'm the lead pastor of this church. My wife, Katie, definitely the better half. But I'm just going to dive into Psalm 63. We're going to read some scripture, and we're going to get into it together. Good? Good. Good. Psalm 63. If you brought your Bible, bust it out. If you didn't, download the app real quick. Um, if not, it's up on the screen. Depending on how good of signal you have, if you have Verizon like me and the kind of iPhone I have, just go to the screen. It's gonna be faster. <laughs> but here we are. Psalm 63. It says this. I'm in ESV. If you're in another version. Someday you'll be more spiritual like me, but no, I'm just joking. And i would be screaming. Someone just gave me this, so I read out of it. Uh, Psalm 63, it says, O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints. Some of your scripture might say yearns for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalmist says, So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. But those who seek to destroy my life shall, do, shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword and be a portion for the jackals. Just got real intense, but stay with me. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him, the Lord shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we just thank you that as we open up your word your living, breathing word, it speaks to us and transforms us. And so, God, I pray that this morning our hearts will be focused upon you. And, God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning from your word, that you would speak into our hearts and that we would see transformation, God, that we would see a hunger stirred up in the name of Jesus. Amen. See, I'm pretty excited about 21 days of prayer and fasting. I got to the point, I think, where at Christmas, I love Christmas, and I love the birth of Jesus, but I was, like, so excited for this to come. So like Christmas, I was just waiting. Like if I hear jingle bells one more time, I'm going to lose it. I'm ready to get to prayer and fasting. I'm like I'm ready for this season. Uh, and, and what's cool is is just seeing in the conversations I'm having, and you know, we have these worship nights, and um, we even have like handouts, I think, on the back table if you want to learn more. Kind of all kinds of stuff. We're like just trying to gear up and get ready just because we believe in something really special. And so today, even though we talked about fasting last week, I want to expand a little bit more on fasting but I want to talk about it maybe in a little different way uh, than we've talked about it before. And uh, I want to focus today on things that fasting, that that brings and and wells up and stirs up, not just about what you lay down. And today I I want to kind of focus on the positive, right? You guys get with me if we can focus on positives today. We're going to focus on hunger, but in the positive. So are with me. It, It in Psalm 63, uh, the psalmist says, I'm satisfied, my soul is satisfied as with the fattest and richest of foods. If I were to be honest, I would say this holiday season, I ate too much of the fattest and richest foods. Not for my soul, but for my hips, right? It's just, uh, I think I was doing well. My wife was doing the keto diet. I was watching her do that, but it was still going well for me, um, 50-50, I would say, both. Uh, and, and at the same time, uh, you know, it was going okay. But then when I got to the holidays, everything just kind of went off the rails. Cause when you get into Christmas, it's like, well, I normally wouldn't have another Christmas cookie, but since it's Christmas, I should have six. Cause Jesus was born, <laughs> you know, like, like that's our, that's our logic for, for Christmas and, and it's fine. But w- what we then see in responses in this season, the gyms are full, and and I want to go back to the gym, but I just can't right now because I don't want to join the ranks of people who are all crowding the gym. And I got to wait for them to leave so I I can go back to the gym or at least say I'm going to go back to the gym. But but during this season, there's a lot of eating. And I think it's good because when we hear this idea of like the fattest and richest of foods, it's not a bad thing because food gives us pleasure, right? Like God could have created food all kinds of ways, but he chose to create it in a way that gives us pleasure and is good and, and, and tastes good, right? It's not bland. It's not nothingness. It's not just fuel. There, there's, there's a balance there, right? Because too much food is called gluttony, and you can't fit into your jeans. Then you have all these middle-of-the-line clothes that you wear between, depending on what season you're in, right? You're like, ah, oh, blue shirt, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, here we are again. Um, but there, there's a balance because then if you eat too little food, right, then you go hungry, Right. Has anyone here ever been hangry? Right? Spoiler alert, you were born hangry. <laughs> you were born mad that you were hungry. Like you came out, and you're like, ah, I want to eat. And like that was what you were born doing. It was just being straight up hangry. It's just like everyone is annoying, and I just want to cry until someone feeds me. And that continues, well, your whole life basically. But there's this idea that we all understand, I think, hunger to some degree. Some more than others. Some in a comical, some in a tragic sense. Are We all, I think, in some way, understand hunger because we were born hungry. And I think that's why fasting can be so difficult. And I think that's why it's easy for us to skip over it, is because it goes against something that we were born feeling, like in the depths of us and you can avoid a lot of things you can lay down a lot of things but you're eventually going to get hungry right you can be like i'm not going to drive for a week like that's going to be inconvenient but you know not life threatening depending on how far you got to go but you're eventually going to get hungry it's going to stir up a hunger inside of you and i think that there's something special between this idea of hunger and longing and thirst and desire and fasting. There, there's something linked there between hunger and fasting. And, and I think so often we, when we hear about fasting or talk about fasting, what we hear in our minds or in our hearts is this idea of going hungry, not eating not being full, being drained or empty, right? Fasting is kind of seen as this tool for monks and nuns or the super spiritual or like top tier, those kind of Christians that all dress the same and they seem to know every new worship album that's coming out. And it's like that's those people who have been to Hillsong conferences like three or four times. Once you go gone to your fourth Hillsong conference, then you can fast, right? That's like reserved for those, you know, like the uppers, you know. But that's not, that's not really true because we, when we see fasting like a hunger strike, we miss it and we, we kind of change the context. And I think so often that, that's the way even myself we can see it, is that if I go hungry long enough, and, you know, we kind of see it like, really, is that fasting? If I go hungry long enough, punish myself enough, then God's going to, like, reward me for punishing myself because that's what God is. He's, like, slightly, like, vindictive, and he's like, oh, man, it looks like you're really suffering. Now I'll bless you. No, exactly. Because that, that's not how love works, right? And because that's not how love works, that's not how fasting works. That's not how those two things work in unison. Fasting is not about going hungry. That's what I want to change our mindset this morning. Fasting is not about going hungry. Fasting is about feasting. Fasting is feasting. See, all throughout Scripture we see that fasting isn't simply about not eating. Fasting is about so much more, so much associated. You can go to the Old Testament, you can go to the New Testament, you'll see when there's fasting, the, the primary it is not eating, fair. The primary is not about not eating. I think one of the best examples of this is found in Isaiah 58 is the Israelites participated in fasting in a sense. And so what they would do, just for context, is they, they would like put ash on their bodies. They would lay out sackcloth. They would wear ugly clothes. They wouldn't shower, and it's warm there. And they would stink, and they would look sad, and they would get sad faces. But, and so they would do the act of not eating and looking sad and being punished. That, that's how they would see it. But nothing about their life would change. They still treated people the same. They still treated God the same. They still loved others the same as well. Nothing about them would change or grow or desire or hunger or thirst. It was just an act of beating up on themselves and hurting themselves as if to show God, like, God, if we hurt enough, then you'll intercede. And it's interesting because in Isaiah 58, God responds. And I want to read that to you today. If you're about your Bible, jump ahead. If not, it'll be on the screen. Isaiah 58, 6 through 12, it says this. After God says, listen, you're doing all these things. You're, You're going through all these practices, but you're missing it. He says, is this not the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and to not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your... Like your family. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer, and you shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing finger, and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourselves out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places, a.k.a. Phoenix, and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach and restorer of the streets to dwell in. The Israelites think God... God wants us to beat up on ourselves. He wants us to go hungry as if our pain somehow puts us in debt him in debt to us. And God's saying, "No, that's not how it works. Fasting isn't about hurting yourself as if that appeases me. Fasting is seeking the Lord and seeking what he loves. Fasting isn't starving, it's feasting." See, what's the point of not eating if we just go about as if nothing changed? We're just managing through our days. You might as well just do whole 30, shed a couple pounds, feel better about yourself. Because that's not the point. The point isn't dieting. The focus is I want to focus on God, and as I focus on God, I focus on who he loves. I'm not covering myself in ash. Because, see, fasting isn't about denying yourself for pain. It's about satisfying yourself in God. And that's the shift for us. It's not religious activity. It's not a hunger strike for the city. It's not about dining for the summer body. It's not about starving for personal identity. It's not, did you know pagan religions fast to get in a trance to encounter spirits? It's not about any of that. Fasting is about feasting on God. Fasting is about feasting on the Lord. The reason for this is because fasting is motivated by desire. See, fasting isn't just suppressing desire, it's releasing it. It's motive, get, get that in your mind just real quick. If you're taking notes, write it down. Fasting is motivated by desire. See, fasting is passionate pursuit. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul tells us to pursue the spiritual gifts fasting is a type of pursuit and we fast because there's a deep desire in us or we would love to have a deep desire in us for more of God Right There's a hunger for more of him, more of his love, more of his spirit, more breakthrough, more revival, more of his life. There's a desire in us for more. So I'm saying I'm going to submit my desire over here and unleash my desire over here for more of the Lord. I'm going to submit the earthly, and I'm going to release the eternal and stir up a desire in me for more of the Lord. It's not about suppressing and hurting and beating up on myself. You don't get gold stars for beating the crud out of yourself in the dark corner. That's not what it's about. It's about releasing the desire for a God who infinitely loves you more than you could ever ask or imagine. That's why we say fasting is feasting. I heard someone say it's about feeding on the fullness of every divine blessing secured for us in Christ. And this is why it's so key that when we fast, we're not concerned as much with what we are not consuming, but with what we are consuming. Follow me here, because this is really key for some of you. What you consume in a fast is more critical than what you deny in the fast. This is what God cares. Now, now, th- it is important, but what is most critical is what you consume. What do you eat spiritually? Isaiah 58 said, God says to his people, listen, I know you're beating yourself up. I know you're going fasting. I know you're, you're doing all these things, but what are you consuming? What are you building? What are you intaking? What's coming into your heart and your life? What are you spending that time doing? What's, what's filling you up? God cares about what your heart's consuming because he cares about that heart. He cares about that. He cares about what you're going to consume during the fast. He's saying, do you hunger for me? Do you desire to be filled, like Ephesians 3, with the fullness of God? Fasting is about ingesting the word of God, right, right here. It's about ingesting the beauty of God. The presence of God. That's why we do the worship nights. It's not about hype. It's about hunger. Fasting is about ingesting the the blessing of God, the presence of God, the goodness of God. It's about passionate pursuit and spiritual indulgence. That's why we can get excited. I'm not stoked about not, you know, eating certain things or consuming certain things. That doesn't excite me as a person. What excites me is the deep spiritual indulgence of desiring and releasing a hunger for God, not in only my life, but in this church and desiring more. See, I'm not giving up food for my sake. I'm giving it up for Christ's sake. Because I desire more of Christ. So I say to this hunger that I was born with, that wells up inside of me since the day I came out of the womb that is hungry, that longs, that yearns, I say, no, I'm going to put that in submission. I'm going to put that in submission, this hunger, because I'm praying, God, would you stir up a hunger that rivals this kind of hunger? It is crazy to me how hungry I can get for some things, right? How you can get cravings, how you can get starving cravings for things. It's like, it's, it's. I remember when my wife was pregnant; she's like, "I could kill somebody for some orange juice right now." Like she's just, "Oh, I need it, I want it, I gotta have it." Right? Like you better get up, go get it for me, and I'm gonna just chug it because I want it so bad. Can I tell you? I want that, but for the Lord, that's what I want. I don't want to have to be convinced to seek him. I want to hunger for him. And so I put this into submission to release the desire and the passion over here. Are you still with me this morning? Going back to Psalm 63. When David's crying out, he's saying, I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs or faints for you. But it says in the next verse, when I beheld you in the sanctuary, when I saw your power and glory, he realizes that God's steadfast love is better than life. And it says in verse 5, my soul will be satisfied as with the fat and rich food in my mouth will we'll praise you with joyful lips. I like this scripture because it, it, it's a deep food uh, attachment to hunger. Because I, I think we can lock in on that. And he's saying food is good and it's important, but he's not just talking about food. He's talking about something deeper because fasting isn't saying that food is bad, but that God is better. It's a reevaluation. It's loving the giver more than the gift. Now, in 1 Timothy, we're told, you know, that God created food to be good and that we can eat it and it's good and we enjoy it. And so God's not saying food is bad, as if food is some, like, constant sin that once you you submit this constant sin of eating, then you really meet God. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, do you love the giver or the gift? All in our life, that's a great question to ask. Ask that in your life about your family. Ask that in your life about food. Ask that in your life, do do I love the giver or the gift? If I give my daughter a present, I give it because I love her. And I love that she loves it. But if she never talks to me, that's kind of weird, right? You would say, that's kind of a spoiled kid. Does she love the gift more than me who gave it? Because if she loves me, there's a depth of that relationship, even though she doesn't fully understand that if she loves me as the giver, she can receive more of the depth of that relationship. The same is true about God. Fasting readjusts our priorities to say, I care more about the giver than the gift. Because sometimes we're having trouble even finding that gift. And so we got to look to the giver and be like, I don't really understand any of this that's happening in my life at all. It's absolute, abject chaos. So I got to look to you. Because I I don't really, I'm, okay, I got to look to the giver. And you got to help me here. And it it adjusted. It's not saying the food's bad, but that God is so much better. And so David says, when I encounter that God, David, who was suffering, who was running for his life, whose friends had died, David who's hiding in a cave, who who was told he was going to have good things, but instead has been suffering since he's been anointed, That that kind of David, right? Who eventually is king, but spent a good long time of his life living way more in a cave than I would personally enjoy. That kind of David is writing a thing saying, when I encounter more of God... He satisfies my soul like the richest of foods. And I would lay down earthly food to receive eternal food any day of the week. Because the Father is greater than the food. That's because fasting is motivated by a desire to glorify God. And this is really important. This fast we're doing, it involves you and I, but it's motivated by a desire to glorify the Lord. See, God is the goal of fasting. He's the aim. He's the attention. And and I think just like any practice, it's like a bow and arrow. When aimed at the right thing, it's good. When you aim it haphazardly at anything, you could really hurt somebody. All practices, all principles, all spiritual disciplines are this way. When guided and aimed and directed and focused, they're good. When you just shoot them all over the place, you can hurt some people. So fasting is motivated by a desire to glorify God. See, the glory, I don't know if you know this, comes from him, is in him, and is for him, and goes back to him. It's all for him. This church exists to glorify God. Uh, last week, I spoke on Matthew 6, uh, 16 through 18. I'm just going to read those two verses real quick just in case you happen to miss it because some people ask me some questions, and this is important. It says, this is Jesus talking, And when you fast, because he assumed we would, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And, and I want to make a, a point here, because I think this is important, because people have asked me, but how can we do a corporate fast if Jesus says, when you fast, don't uh, make a deal out of it, right? And then you're making a really big deal out of it and i want to explain just really 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 quickly is this is there's a difference between being seen fasting and fasting to be seen Are you with me there's a difference between being seen fasting and fasting to be seen isaiah 58 fasting to be seen right the 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 pharisees fasting to be seen look how much i'm beating up on myself like no if you're seen fasting, that's great. In fact, in Acts 13, all the believers gather and they fast about what, do, what the heck do we do next? And God gives them direction and clarity. Obviously, people saw them because they were doing it together. Corporate fasts are a part. Were called in Joel to, to the Israelites were called to fast, and in Isaiah fifty-eight, the whole nation was called to fast. So Jesus isn't saying, "Do not be seen fasting." He's saying your fast has to be motivated by a desire to glorify God and not to glorify yourself. We get to do it as a congregation because hey, heads up, it's tough, and you need people around you who are going to stand with you. And, and then the key to all friendship, and if you want. You know, congregations, community, family, friends function in this way. If you want a friend, you have to be a friend. The same thing's true in fasting. If you want support, you have to be support. You don't just get to get it, you got to be it. And so together we fast because we desire more of the glory of God. If you're new to this church, can I tell you the aim of this church is to glorify the Lord. We want to see the glory of God. We want to see the kingdom come. We want to see his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we go back to the main idea of fasting is feasting, it's feasting on what? God. For whose glory? God. What does it say in Matthew 6? Who does the reward come from? God. And what is the reward? You might know this. God. (laughs) More of God. (laughs) I really thought I softballed that one. That's all right. We're almost done. (laughs) But the, the reward is more of God. We, we get mixed up on words like reward, but the reward is more of God. See, God always responds to fasting by giving more of himself and more of the blessing secured in Christ. See, when, uh, just let's go biblical. When we encounter, a, when we fast, we encounter a strength that comes from God. Jesus is at the well with a Samaritan woman, and he meets her there, and he shares the the truth of the gospel of who he is. And she goes away, and his disciples come up, and they say, hey, man, you got to eat something. And he says, no, I'm good. I'm already eating. They're like, who gave him food? He's saying, no, I'm not eating of the earthly. I'm eating of the eternal. And it strengthened him when he was weak, when he was exhausted, when he knew, he knew even then somebody in my crew is going to deny me. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die, right? Living with all of these things, all the things going on. And he was strengthened when we fast we encounter our strength that comes from the Lord. When we fast, we receive clarity and direction from the Holy Spirit. I already told you Acts 13, 1 through 3. You can look at up later if you want is that the believers are sitting down together like what do we do where do we go who do we send and they fast and in their fasting who do they choose to send Paul they release into ministry with the clarity and wisdom of the holy spirit through their time of prayer and fasting someone who wrote everything from uh, almost here to the end that's a big deal fasting when you fast it we receive clarity and direction when we fast, we receive a weapon for spiritual warfare. We like to pretend that the, the spiritual world doesn't exist or, or we treat it like uh, an off-brand M. Night Shyamalan movie, just things are going to sneak up on us. But the spiritual warfare, for those who are really going through, you know it's real. You know that it's not playing around. It doesn't play around with you. It doesn't play around with your family. It doesn't play around with your life. And so what Jesus has given us is a tool to combat, to do battle in the spiritual. Even Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, when he comes down like a dove and the voice says, this is my son in whom I'm pleased, and he walks out into his ministry, what's the first thing that happens? He's tempted by the enemy. The enemy comes to him and begins to tempt him and prod him and come against him. So what is he doing to combat that? He's fasting. He's fasting. Was Jesus fasting Because he was tempted by the enemy, or was he tempted by the enemy because he was fasting? I think we'd all be crazy if we didn't think the enemy wasn't working on Jesus before that day. No, he's fasting because he's stepping in to the beauty of what God has called him, as fully God, fully man, and the ministry of his life. And he knows, I need some support. I need some strength. I need need the Lord. He is Jesus. There we go. I, Jesus, need the Lord. And he says, I need more, so I'm going to fast. I'm going to set my heart before him. Because fasting glorifies God. And that's why if we just see it as refraining from food, we miss this incredible, incredible, incredible tool that God has given us. Because it should be a beautiful part of our life. It should be a powerful part of our life. It almost seems too simple uh, for for us to be like, really, that's that's a spiritual tool for spiritual warfare? Just like, I'm not going to eat this day? But like we said, it's more. It's feasting on God. It's desiring God. As we feast on God, it opens breakthrough in our life. I want to tell you, you're not, by fasting, you're not trying to prove something to God. You're never trying to prove something to God or put him in your debt. You're never trying to make him, like, earn something. Okay, God, I fasted seven days, so now I get one of those, like, upper blessings. Y'all been seeing me down here. I need to get one of those. That's not how it works. What's happening is we're becoming less and he's becoming greater and we're humbling ourselves before the Lord and we're saying, God, I need you. I need your strength. We're breaking away the illusion of our own strength. If you've ever had life do this for you, then you know exactly what it means to walk in this when it's like the illusion of your own power begins to break away and you're like, oh my goodness, I just, I need the Lord. I need God. And fasting puts us in that alignment with him. And because as we become less and he becomes greater, it stirs up a hunger for us. And as we get a hold of that hunger, as we, as, we, as we pursue him, as we seek after him, he promises he'll give more of himself to us. You know, he didn't have to do that. But he's all loving. He's all powerful. And so as we hunger for him, he meets our hunger. I think that's the blessing of fasting. I'm going to invite the band up. I think that's the blessing of fasting. The more we hunger and thirst for God, the more we encounter the glory of his presence, like in Psalm 63. The more we hunger for the Lord, the more we discover a heart for the broken. Can I tell you, my prayer, I I felt it in the spirit this morning when we were praying together, is that God would begin to break your heart again for what breaks his Isaiah 58, he's calling out to his people. He says, does your heart break? What breaks my heart? Not like is your heart casually stirred so you post something on Facebook. Is your heart broken? Is your heart, do do you cry? Do you you moan? Do, Do you want to see change? Does it stir something inside of you? Does it change you? Does it affect you at all? Stir my heart. When you fast, it stirs up a hunger. It stirs up a heart for the broken and the hurting. When we fast, we discover more of the depth of his love. Like Ephesians 3 says, there is more. There's so much more to the depth of the Father's love for us. It stirs it up, stirs it up, stirs it up. Like I said, fasting doesn't put us in debt to him. It puts us in alignment with him puts us in alignment with God that desires more than you could ever ask or imagine. And he promises, he promises to be found by those who seek him. And God cannot break a promise. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13 says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will seek me and you will find me When you seek me with all of your heart. Hear that again. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. If you want to find, discover, unlock just more of what God has, it starts with full pursuit. starts with feasting on him. Fasting says, stir up a hunger in me, God. Fasting doesn't say, I am hungry, I'm feeling great, so now I'm going to fast. Fasting is like, God, I need you, stir up a hunger in me. God, this city needs you, stir up a hunger in me. God, my family needs you, stir up a hunger in me. God, this nation needs you, stir up a hunger in me. Uh, You cannot do anything about anyone else. Even the person sitting next to you, you have a mild to small control over only you in your heart and your life can you say, God, stir up a hunger in me because I need you. And so God begins to speak to our hearts and he begins to say, what, what do you need to get out of the way so you can stop hungering here and hunger here? I was thinking about this. If any of you guys have an Instagram? Or any kind of social media, whatever it might be. Maybe it's TV, whatever that is. Certain interesting things, not food. But I did the math. Through my 30s, I spent an hour a day on Instagram. I would spend 15 days a year of 24-hour chunks of time on Instagram. If I broke that out to waking time, I'd spend 30 days waking on Instagram a year, a whole month. I would live 11 months, and then I would live online for one month if, that, if that's how I lived. So then I broke that down anymore and I said, okay, my whole 30s, if it was 15 days a year, that'd be 150 days of my life would be spent hungering for vanity. And now I think social media is a great tool and a terrible master. So I'm not knocking the thing. Don't think, like, go home and burn your phones. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the priority of our heart what do you want? That's what I'm asking. What do you want? You can have, a, you can buy random stuff if you've got enough money. That's fine. I'm asking, what do you want? Do you want revival? Do you want breakthrough? Do you desire those things? Well, then we got to assess in our life whether we feel like, I don't want to spend 150 days of my life. When I could spend, could you imagine a church, uh, like we're really hard on the young generation, but could you imagine if everybody in their 30s just decided I'm gonna spend 150 days solid in my 30s praying for breakthrough, what we would see in that generation or the next generation or the generation before, because it's not just people in their 30s. I was her-ended almost twice on the way here by people in their 50s on their phone. So let's be real. (laughs) But whatever it might be, we gotta ask what do we want? And if, if the, what we want is more of God, we say, I don't have enough strength or power alone. I need breakthrough in my life. Then God says, great, I've given you a tool for breakthrough. And we say, well, I don't know. And he says, just try me. I have conversations with people all the time. that are in the lowest depth of their life and will not surrender eating a cheeseburger for a day and a half in the hope that there's breakthrough in their life. I'm like, what do you have to lose? Everything sucks for you right now. I have that conversation about giving. I have that conversation uh, about fasting. I have that conversation about prayer. Like, what do you want? Do you want breakthrough or not? Because I want to tell you, that I believe that God wants breakthrough in this church and in your life. For those who hurt, God wants to restore. For those who mourn, God wants to envelop with his peace. For those who feel lonely, God wants to bring a long companionship. For those who feel lost and forgotten, God wants to bring a reminder of hope. For those who feel like their dreams have died, God wants to restore. For those who feel like there's brokenness beyond repair, I believe that in these 21 days, God wants to begin to repair what's been broken for generations. And so I prophesy over you what was prophesied in Isaiah 58, is that you will become the restorer of the ruins and broken for generations but what do you want what do you want that's the thing about love you get to choose it's the thing about free will you get to choose and god just saying, what do you want because if you desire more of me you can have it but what do you want that's why we fast together as a church is because we say together man i want more of god that's who we talked about living in the afterwards i want to live in the afterwards I wanna live in that. I wanna see healing. I wanna see restoration. I'm tired of every young guy I'm talking to, addicted to the same thing over and over again. I wanna see freedom. I wanna see it. I don't wanna see I don't wanna see another generation addicted to pornography and dragging it into their relationships. I want to see freedom. Why is that crazy when God said, listen, if you want breakthrough, I can't. I'm giving it to you here. Here's what you got to do. We believe together. I don't know what that's going to look like in your life, but would you stand with me this morning?